Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and right there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Oh, Nikki. Nikki, we're continuing our job series right now. It's yes. very exciting. Very, very exciting. And today we're continuing with deal breakers. What are where your deal, deal breakers? Yeah, what are the deal? Where did this come from? This was kind of a follow-up to last week, which was the... Uh, uh, Red flags, red right. flags to deal breakers. Right, and they both came from our uh, our monthly happy hour that we do mm-hmm. with our community. And uh, this was just another turn that that conversation uh, went towards, and that was about deal breakers because we talk about deal breakers around like relationships, like oh well, that's a deal breaker, you know, yeah. I'm not going to go out with that person again. Uh, but we don't always necessarily look at jobs in that particular light. So yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see what people had to say. Yeah, I think so too. And I, and boy, did they have things to say. They um, do. Uh, Melissa, Discord mom, put out the survey, and uh, we heard we heard things. So that's what we're going to hash out today. We're going to hash out uh, our deal breakers and the deal breakers of the community. And there are some interesting ones. And and I, you know, I think I, this is not just a recitation of other people's complaints. I really hope when you're listening to this conversation, when you're listening to what your peers and colleagues in the community have said. I really hope you walk away thinking, oh, yeah, I have one of these two or they just said something that I really relate to. And maybe I should be aware of this in my next job hunt or 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 think it, that that's what we're talking. This is not just a complain of complain a Tron right. episode. So because uh, there are some really thoughtful things in here. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to do. Before we get started, head over to Take Control ADHD. Get to know us a bit. You can find us at Take Control ADHD everywhere we can think of to secure the name take control ADHD, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, etc. You can jump into the discord channel, takecontroladhd.com slash discord. That's our server. Uh, And you can when you sign in there, you get access to the general community channel. But if you really want to get to know us, this is the most important part. This is the part that matters more to us than anything else is becoming a member by Patreon, patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. As, as we love doing this podcast, it is also a business. This is a business and membership drives this business. If you enjoy what you get out of this podcast, if you've been listening for a long time and you're, you've ever thought, I wonder how I could give back, uh, this is the way. Patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast for a few bucks a month. You are supporting this show 
Also, we have some stuff for you. You get access to super secret channels in our Discord server, the much broader community. You get longer and earlier access to all the podcast episodes that come out. You get access at the at the uh, highest tier. You get access to us. We do Coffee with Pete and Coaching with Nikki every month where we talk about uh, coaching, coaching and technology and nerd stuff with me. I mean, it's just there's a lot going on in this community and the, the key, the door to all of that stuff is patreon.com slash D8HD podcast. Thank you to all of our members who are currently supporting the show and welcome to all those who are considering doing it now. Uh, we don't have, this is the first time in a long time. We have no other news, I believe. I know. We are news free. We are news free. We're going to go get into straight it. into it. Right. Break some deal. Let's break some deals. First, as you know, I want to know, Nikki, what <laughs> are your deal breakers? With a job. Yeah. I mean, come on, lady, you're HR. You have to have some deal breakers. I do. I do. It's just, it, it's it's so different. It's it's just such a different perspective now that I yeah. have my own business and uh, I don't know if I could work for anybody. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm broken. <laughs> I mean, sure. I, I'm just, this is such a twisted question for me. But let's say that um, I had to for some reason. And uh, I would say that one of the deal breakers would be, I need to see where I'm working. Like if I'm going to be going into a company, I need to know where my desk is going to be. be and, and I know that seems kind of strange, but I don't want to be surprised on the first day and find out that I'm in, a little tiny cubicle with no windows and it's dark, like in a basement, like that, that would be awful for me. So one is mm -hmm. I would have to tour where I'm going to be sitting because that's, that environment is really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that, uh, I always tell people to ask a lot of questions and if I felt any kind of defensiveness or people weren't like, if I felt like they were lying or making something up, with the questions that I was asking, I would really probably probe and keep asking more questions because I'm a questioner, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what I do for a living now is I listen and then I ask questions. So I, I think that uh, I'd be really curious to know specifically how would I know? I'm just thinking, how would I know if they were lying? Like, let's say that they just really didn't have an answer and it was sort of like, all of this fluff, but not a direct answer. Mm -hmm. You know, why did the person leave before me? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> uh, they went on to better opportunity, or you know, they they just we left on. I mutual hope they terms, would not or, say better. Yeah, like what are they doing? Like what? Well, why where did they is leave? that <laughs> exactly? Like, I'd like I, to go there too. I would want to know. Well, they got fired. I want to know why they got fired. Yeah, like, I don't know. I think I would just ask a lot of questions, and if I got any kind of defensiveness, or if I got like, oh well. I'm the one, if I got that kind of like, well, I'm the one interviewing you, you're not interviewing mm -hmm. me, I would say that that's a red flag or a deal breaker. Yeah. Um, I read some of the notes that people were saying, and I would, I agree with if I think the position is a certain salary and then they change that in the interview, that would be a red yeah. flag. 
for sure. Yeah. Or it's something we talked about last week where the 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 range that comes out in the interview is way broader than was ever indicated. Like, yeah. oh, yes, it starts from $10 to $700,000. <laughs> it's like, that's not, uh, right. that's not useful. That's red flag. And I would also go back to just how I feel about the interview in general. Like, am I comfortable with this person? Or if it's a group of people, am I comfortable? Did they make me feel comfortable? Did I like you know, did we have a good rapport or was it really hard? And mm -hmm. I don't know if they would necessarily be deal breakers, but they would definitely be red flags. And I would definitely be sitting and really thinking about it a lot harder than just assuming, because I'm looking for the job that I'm excited about. I'm looking for, for sure. the job that I really want to work with this person because I think they're so cool. You know, yeah, and we, yeah. we not, we not only started talking about jobs, but we started talking about other stuff too. Like that's what I, that's what I would want. Right. Yeah. I, I think so too. And I, I think, you know, for me, it's, it, when you talk about asking those questions, it was I, I'm kind of reflecting. One is the unpredictable social interactions because I have a bit of social anxiety. And so like being thrust on, like people are always going to be coming into your, into your space and interrupting you and you have to be on, like the requirement is you have to be on right away. I need a little transition and prep time. Mm -hmm. Contexts are challenging for my brain. Um, and, and there is a, there's a balance between like in this job, will I have enough thinking time, like actual mm -hmm. time to work versus uh, time to just, you know, meet and check things off other people's lists, right? How much of their stress am I supposed to inherit as, as a part of the job? Like if it's if if that's the expectation, oh, you do your work after hours, right? During, yeah, right. you know, during the day, that's when you're meeting with people and you're doing all kinds of, that's a huge red flag for me. The other is too much routine. I need to be able to, um, I mean, I need to be able to shake it up as I see fit. Mm -hmm. And working on someone else's routine is, is difficult for me. Unpredictable sensory expectations. And I, like, I would never, I'm my brain, I don't want to say I would never, because there is a world in which I work in, you know, a machine shop or a factory. I, I, for a number of years, worked on Cummins diesel engines on a, on a cog train. Like I, I, I know how, uh, I know how the sound uh, impacts me of a, of a, you know, machine organization. And I, while I like the, the intricacies of engines and stuff, that's fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, I couldn't make it a day job because there are constant battles of like, you know, pneumatic sounds and loud banging noises and those kinds of sensory expectations are not for me. They shake me and make me constantly live in recovery mode. Mm -hmm. And I can't stand that. Mm -hmm. And last, and this is really, um, I don't know what this, uh, this says. I, I, this probably says nothing you don't already know about me, but bring your own device policies are a huge win for me. If somebody says, you're going to come to this job and it's absolutely perfect. And here's the computer and mouse and keyboard you're going to have to work on. And it's not something that I really want to work on. <gasps> I won't take that Mac. job. I won't take the job, Nikki. <laughs> if yeah. they don't give me a choice, no, I, won't I think take that's, the job. that's fair because you are really tied into something already. And then to try to switch gears, I mean, I I'm just for the live stream, for members in the live stream. Do you see this keyboard? Yes. This keyboard weighs like four pounds. Yes, it does. This is a, an old school. It's like straight out of severance, right. this keyboard. It has a volume 
dial on it. it that is oh, dope. Wow. Yes. I want to bring this keyboard everywhere I go. <laughs> you do. I love Absolutely it. Absolutely, you do. If they make me use a keyboard with an unappealing bit of technology, I get very upset. Yes. So, uh, that is that is honestly that says I, that is a that's a statement of enormous and stupid privilege. Right. That a bring your own device policy is a deal breaker, but. I'm old and I'm owning it. Hey, I get it. I get it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So that out of the way, shall we transition into this incredibly, I'm going to say, meticulously curated list mm-hmm. of, of deal breakers. So I'm I, a sh- huge shout out to Discord mom, Melissa, who uh, collated and put together this whole list of all the things that you all sent us, yes. uh, members of the community who responded to this survey. This is fantastic, and I learned a lot. I how, how would you like to start? Do you want me to start reading? Well, Shall I just start reading? I'll, I'll start reading the salary piece because those are like sh- smaller, shorter tidbits. And then I'm yeah, like, okay. you do the longer ones. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So with salary, I won't even apply for a position if it doesn't either have salary posted or at the very least an Indeed estimate. It's 2023. Let's stop pretending like we're not applying for jobs to make a living. The least companies could do would be to share expected salaries if they're either A, ashamed and don't think their salary is competitive enough to list or B, want to see if they can lowball you on a salary. No, thanks. Not interested. What I think is kind of interesting is really like it doesn't matter if it's 2023 or if it's like 1908 we Mm -hmm. are looking for jobs to make a living so it is a fair thing to say how much money does this pay you know how much am i getting to do this work Mm -hmm. uh so yeah i agree i think it should be um something that is talked about for sure yeah for sure although in 1908 they also would pay you in like you know fish and things yeah milk and yeah. probably all that right. stuff milk but... <laughs> and eggs and... <laughs> i don't know uh so but i i absolutely agree with that and i think that's the that's the biggest problem i have right now is when you start serving like looking at this indeed estimate like looking at sites that somehow feel like they can hide the the salary until you enter this new phase called salary negotiation which is ridiculous why waste either of our time if we can just circumvent that. Part. Well, and this person hit the nail on the head. One is yeah. that the salary isn't competitive enough and they don't want to put it out there because yeah. they're afraid they're not going to get enough candidates. And second, they're right on. They're going to see if they can lowball you on a salary because if you're yeah. asking for so much and they're willing to pay higher, they're not going to tell you that they're going to pay higher. So they're going to pay you with what you say. Right. So I, I, you know, it's true. I'm not going to lie. It's yeah. true. Uh, and and part of it is that I and I know this as a I, I've I've hired people. You get people in the door by luring them for the perks of the job, and if they can make the job appealing enough, you will be more flexible in what you will take for a, for the job. Absolutely. You'll be more flexible because the place is nicer, right? And so they don't want to open with the money because that implies that money's the only reason you take a job, right? Right. And nobody wants that either. So it exactly. is a very difficult balance. And I, I think agree. if you're looking for a job, you got to be aware of that too. Right. Right. Uh, I once would have said, I, "Oh, do you want to keep reading this because it's small?" Yes. Okay. I like the small ones. <laughs> Okay. I once have said I wouldn't take a job where my pay was based on strict client timekeeping. I'm better at timekeeping, but it's it's still not a thing I want to do. do. So like this person would rather work like a salary position. Salary. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not a good person to speak to that because I am you are all good client at time timekeeping. timekeeping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Sadly, though, I really relate to this because I'm all client timekeeping too. And it kind of sucks. Like my, it doesn't work for me. The brain, brain does work for I've said many times, probably to you, I wish my entire career was a giant Patreon where I could just say, I love doing the work that I do for you. Please pay me what you think I'm worth. And mm. don't do it all through Patreon because right. I don't want to talk about rates. I don't want to talk about hours, quarter hours, half hours. I don't want to do it anymore. I just want to do the work to solve your problems. And please pay me what you think I'm worth. I don't think I would be uh, but probably, I, I don't know. My, my hunch is, and the sad fear is, I would not be paid enough. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, uh, but I, but that is definitely, I, I, I really relate yeah. to this particular issue. Uh, it's hard for me. This is a huge. Well, and challenge. I think what I'm going to, what, where I do relate to this is that I know that there's particular types of jobs I don't want to do. And one is being in sales. I tried sales. I don't like sales. I don't like being in sales in my own company. I, I rely on Pete and Melissa to help me with that because I am not good at it. Um, and so I, I get the, I get where you're going, you know, like it, it, don't take a job just because maybe you have experience in it, like do what you want to do and, yeah. and what, uh, what's important. Um, yeah. okay. So it's a big no, if the pay is mentioned and then when speaking to a recruiter or talent, rep, their range is different, seems to generally be lower than what's stated. Absolutely agree. And this would be one of my deal breakers too. Mm -hmm. If you're flipping the job on me or the uh, wage is different, then yeah, no, no go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a job isn't worth it if they are using salary versus hourly as a leverage tool to guilt or get free labor out of your employees. This is what I was talking about earlier, right? It's this idea of, oh, the work is done during these hours. That's when all the meetings are scheduled. But we still expect you to meet all of your responsibilities, which require you to work off hours, mm -hmm. but you're paid salaried, so don't worry about it. And they're going to say, well, you're getting a higher salary thinking that it's going to compensate for those extra hours. Yeah. But I bet you if you really break it down, it, it isn't. It does not. I think that one of my deal breakers, too, that I didn't say that this actually kind of reminds me of it is the boundaries around time off. Like I've already like in my own business know that I don't work Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, and that's a pretty traditional way of work, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I could do that differently if I wanted to, but I, I like having the weekends off because my kids have the weekends off and my husband has the weekends off. So it just makes sense. Um, but that's another thing I would be looking at is that what kind of vibe can I get around that work uh, balance and life balance? Mm -hmm. And what am mm -hmm. I sensing? Um, because yeah, I, I agree. The salary versus salary, you gotta, you gotta ask a lot of questions about that. Okay, let's transition into management and job requirements. Shall we do this? Yes. These are some more short ones. Do you want to keep? I'll do a couple of these short You're doing ones. Great. Thank you. Yeah. It's never okay for management to use performance reviews as a threat to get what they want. Oh, yeah. Have you experienced this? Well, I need to know more information because performance reviews are to help you understand how you're doing in the position, mm -hmm. where you're doing really well, and maybe where you need some improvement. And it's also, 
you know, geared to where do you want to go? Like, what are some goals mm-hmm. if you want to get promoted or if you want to do something different? So I'm not exactly clear what you mean by using a performance review as a threat. Well, it is. This is a mighty nice performance report I have here for you. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. Right. Like, I need you to come in on the weekend oh. and do this. And if and the implication is, if you do this, I will. I will make you look great on your performance review. Oh my God, that's awful. It's like blackmail. It is. That is exactly what it is. (laughs) That is the definition of what we're talking about is using this tool as leverage. Wow. I went a completely different way. Like I was just, okay, wow. Yeah. Oh boy. Big deal breaker. Get out of there, people. That's not good. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think I I think I just this just it has uh, this is a thing that we were talking about just the last bullet, right? Like figuring out what leverage looks like and you know, we I I think as human beings when you're in the the process, like when you're in the trench of of interviewing, it's so easy to put down the visor of understanding that it's it's like I can make sense of why this potential manager, they're nice and charismatic and I like them and they're very kind to me, even though they say things that if I were not in this position of looking for this job or not in this position of trying to meet these goals, I would think is lunacy. This visor of kindness comes down and I suddenly find myself adapting, right? This is, this is like... Um, Stockholm syndrome, right? right? Like where you start to love your kidnappers. It is, uh, that's that's where, what you have to fight. And I think that is a huge uh, challenge to mm-hmm. do when you're in the job. Lunacy is happening around you and you have found a way to rationalize it as normal when it is not normal no. and it's not healthy. No. That's, the, that's the deal breaker part. Can you adapt to that? Absolutely. Um, wow. And this is one that, that you can, I can make sense of how you'd get to a point where you'd say, yeah, I'll come in on the weekend and thanks for looking out for me on that report. It's not okay. No, it's, it's not, not okay. It's not. Uh, this is also not okay. I will seriously consider leaving a position when management is taking all credit for their employees' hard work and not giving any credit back to the employees. I would not only just consider it, I would like leave. I would actually make a a, a plan to start looking for another job. The reason I say that is it's not going to stop. If they yeah. did it once, they're going to keep doing it. And that's um, that's that is a terrible position to be in, I think. I would not be it- happy about that. It's super challenging that one. It's I uh, only because they're uh, like uh, it's, I don't know because as soon as I start talking about it, it sounds like I am doing exactly what I told I, I just said not to do, which is rationalizing this kind of behavior. But from a hierarchical perspective, the CEO of the organization or the manager of a of a team, there are cases where a lot of people contribute to a project and. Part of the function of the CEO is to be the representative figurehead of the success of that delivery, of that product, of that launch, of that project, whatever it is. Like that's part of their job. And that is the result of years maybe of them working to that position, whatever the case may be. And I I remember times where I've had to just sort of eat it knowing that I'm part of a team that did something great and that this person is taking the, the you know, more or less the kudos. The thing that I had in my back pocket is they never shied away from rewarding us directly for the job well done, right? Like it was, 
like the 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 reward flowed down quite nicely, mm-hmm. even if name recognition wasn't always present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, because I think that's the so key. much of this is relationships. It stuff, is about right? and, and and context too, right? Yeah. I mean, but I think, um, yeah, I think the important piece is that I can be part of a team, but I would want you to recognize that it is that team and not that, Oh, I came up with the great plan and the great ideas. And when actually there were all these people behind you that did it, it's just having that recognition I think is important. Um, I think so too, but it's, this is why it's why I kind of want to poke at it a little bit because it's really easy to get your own brain wrapped up in a, I'm not getting enough credit for my hard work scenario. Yeah, that's true. When maybe it's you, maybe you're the problem in this thing. Maybe you're fighting a fight that you're never going to win. And it would be so much easier if you just said, hey, I love what I did. And I love the people I did it with. And I recognize that part of their role is to accept the kudos on behalf of all of us. Right. The producer stands up and accepts the best picture award. Not the director, not the writer, not the whatever. It's the producer of that. Of that. And they did not make the film. Yeah, right? that's a good that's point. That's the truth. That's a really the good point. <laughs> gets it. They did not make the film. So I just, I, that's my only caution is I know what it's like to get fired up and feel entitled. And I've been there. Yeah. And sometimes it's justified. And sometimes it's just not. Right, right. No, sometimes that's very it's my fair assessment. Problem. Yeah. Good, so. good. All right, now you're, you, you go. Oh, this one. Okay. Uh, I told leadership years ago that I wanted to get into management. Since then, they've been giving me extra mentoring assessments and moved me into another position. Then when an assistant branch manager position opened up, I asked if I should go for it. And they just said no. They could have said apply interview and we'll see where that goes. But instead, it was a no, don't even try. That really lit a fire under me to get out. Yeah, I think so. Right. I think so. Uh, I think there is the 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 deal breaker uh, for me is actually higher up in this one. It was years ago, uh, right? Just years ago. I told them years ago that I wanted to do this and extra mentoring assessments um, doesn't cut it. That is not no. a commitment to your growth. No, uh, I so. agree. I agree. For whatever reason, they're not going to hire you for that job. And yep. I wouldn't hold out for it any longer. I would be looking for something different. For sure. Uh, but, and this is kind of where the actions are are yeah. speaking, not the words, yep. but the actions. Yeah. And and controlling your own rationalization. Right. This is another one where it's so easy to get in your head and say, well, someday it'll happen. Right. Someday. Someday. I've, I've told them what I want. They'll look out for me. Mm-hmm. They probably aren't. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a rare uh, uh, exception, I think. When there are obvious expectations that you must spend time together with your colleagues outside of work hours, occasional functions are one thing, but asking for anything more than a, a sliver of personal time is an overstep. What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. I think it should be of choice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I was younger and I worked in a couple of different office situations, it was very common for us to go out after work for happy hour and enjoy each other's company. And it was a group of us and it was fun. And I never really looked at it as being a thing I had to go to. When I started being in HR, I had to stop that because Mm -hmm. my HR uh, director at the time said, I'm not going to tell you that you can't do that, but I am going to tell you that you are in a role that you have to be very careful with what you say and what kind of, uh, 
conversations you engage in. And many times those conversations are about the complaints that those people have of work or what they're upset about. And you don't want to be put in a position where you have to say something that you don't want to say or, you know, whatever. Great Mm -hmm. advice. Great advice. Because as an HR person, you have to stay neutral. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I didn't take that as being, I didn't take that as bad. It was like, that was the role I was accepting. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I understood what it was. I also think that there's some people who do a lot of work outside of like a lot of social functions out of work because they have to, it's part of their role. Mm -hmm. I have a, um, a friend of mine who is a vice president of a company and it's a management company or a, um, like a hotel management company. And she is always doing things outside of work. Part of her job. She has mm-hmm. to. Like, that's just not part really of it. outside of work. It's right. not outside of work. It's just part of her work. Yeah. Um, but I think it should be a choice. And I think that if you're feeling like, if I don't do this, I'm going to somehow get uh, written up or they're going to treat me differently, that's the red flag. Uh, well, mm-hmm. maybe this isn't the right company to work for if you're feeling that kind of pressure, because you should be able to go home if you want to go home, especially if you have a family or you have other things that you're doing outside of work that you want to go do. Like you shouldn't ever feel forced. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you want to, you go for it and you can have a lot of fun. But I'll tell you, my director was right because those other companies that I did the happy hours with, a lot of times the conversations went on, oh my God, can you believe so-and-so? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a real opportunity to get in trouble, you know, to get yourself in trouble and to do something that that ends up being inappropriate because we're just different people when we're outside. I, I think for me, it is the, I... I want to really, at some level, I want to love the people I'm working with, Mm -hmm. right? Like I want to, I want to know that every day I go into work, it's by choice. And largely it's by choice because of who I'm with, not what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, one of the greatest ways to kind of manifest that is to open yourself up a little outside of work and say, hey, you know, let's go out to dinner or lunch or let's go get a movie or a couple of us are going out for, you know, whatever. Um, We're, we're socializing. I, I, you said it in the beginning of this point, which is it has to be by choice and right. not the the deal breaker, obvious expectation that you must yeah. spend time together. Yeah, that's it. And that can come across as team building. Like there is an expectation well, the so that we're a cohesive during team. office hours. Right. Like that's don't what I, yeah. hide it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. Right. Exactly. Totally. Uh, okay, you want to do this one? Uh, if there are no clear or no realistic long-term plans for sustaining or growing the business, I will probably need to find another job. Yeah, I think it depends on what your goals are. You know, I mean, I think in some in some positions, like if you're a teacher, for example, and you don't care to be a principal or go into admin, like you're perfectly happy being a teacher where you're at. So that could be fine. Like you don't need to find another job. Um, But if if your goals are to, you know, as they say, move up the ladder and go, you know, higher up in management or whatever, um, then you definitely have to look at the business because, you know, is it a startup? Is it established? Mm -hmm. Is it a big company? Like, you have to ask those questions up front to know, like, is this where I'm going to stay? Or is this like a temporary, like, you know, just place to be until I find what I want? 
Uh, I don't think people yeah. stay at jobs as long as they used to, like when our parents were in jobs. So I think it's four years now. Yeah. It's four years. Yeah. So, and that's, a, you know, there has been a, there's been a real um, the sort of resurgence. And I think this is, this is really great that if the average amount of time that you're staying at a job is four years, then that gives you actually, as a hiring manager, gives you a lot more flexibility for who you hire. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, you, you know, I look at, I'm starting to get, trying to get all these AARP things. To I know the house we are too. We're, we're all over 50. And and uh, I, I, I'm reading these things. I'm like, you know, this makes total sense as a hiring manager. Why wouldn't you hire someone who is older, even knowing that they're only going to be here, be there for three, four years? Because Doesn't that's matter. the average that people are staying, staying in the anyway. anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like shaking loose this old expectation of what Absolutely. a tenure is at a job from the perspective of a hiring manager, because we who have been in the workforce have known this all along. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, Okay. Go ahead. Um, When there is clear favoritism, usually based purely on personal opinion, I'm not going to last long in that position. And you shouldn't. I don't feel like there's a strong like one of you is going to go. Right. Right. Usually I find that people who demonstrate clear favoritism either fail up or fail out. They don't stay in a single position for very long. Uh, So. And and failing up is sucks because you watch people succeed who don't deserve to succeed. Yeah. Uh, but they do anyway. And who knows so. what's going on behind all that. Yeah. Um, so uh, now let's transition a little bit to this whole section we call values. And these are some big ones. So I'm going to go with the little ones. Okay, go for it. Uh, All right. So I will not tolerate being lied to. Good. Uh, Whether on something relatively inconsequential uh, or something that's clearly a big deal. Yeah, I agree. Like those little Mm -hmm. lies are not good. Uh, They're usually just hide big lies. They're hiding big lies and or they're just doing it without thinking, which again, that's a red flag too. Like, why are you doing this without thinking about it? Like, why are you, because if you're lying about something really stupid, like really why, like what's the point in that, you know? Mm -hmm. If there is any complacency around issues that may come up around sexual harassment or any isms, sexism, racism, ageism, ableism, I can't stick around. And again, you shouldn't. shouldn't. But this is another one that people get themselves in trouble because it's easy to rationalize behavior when you're in that position. It takes a real event to shake you into awareness, especially if you like the work, right? Like this is one of those where if you're showing up for the work and not the people, the people can get away with kind of a lot, right? Before it pushes that, that, that you can, you can get there. So I I totally agree. Side note, there was a job. Sure. This was back in, um, so this would have been in the early nineties and I was working for a company and the owner of the company thought this was so funny, but he, uh, photocopied. Do you remember when the dumb blonde jokes were funny? No, but I get it. Yeah. So (laughs) he wrote the, there and they weren't funny. They were all terrible, but he, photocopied and like a list of these dumb blonde jokes and gave them to everybody. He just thought that was so funny. Mm-hmm. How? Yeah, not, How? Not funny. 
how? Like that wouldn't, he would never have gotten away with that now. It's so, crazy. But here's, but here's an example of like, of, of one that went around, photocopied around our office early on. And this was back when I was working in the machine shop years ago. Uh, it was photocopies of cartoon characters like Sunday comics, like Garfield and Peanuts and Family Circus, right? But all the thought bubbles had been, uh, all the, the voice bubbles had been changed to just like profanity. Cause, and, and they, but they weren't, this was a, a hard one because they were totally inappropriate for work, would never fly today, right. right? Because it's just sharing profanity. But they weren't at anyone's specific expense. It was like Charlie Brown and Lucy swearing at each other. Right. And that's it. That's one of those things that indoctrinates you into a rationalization. Well, if that's OK, maybe then we can transition to some dumb blonde jokes. And before long, you're just straight up isming. Right. And yeah. it's it's not like you have to be aware, like openly aware of being lured into a sense of complacency around things that are just not oh, kind. Wrong. Yeah, they're just not kind. Yeah. So, uh, OK, uh, I can't stick around when I'm not being listened to or heard when it comes to personal goals, priorities and career moves related to that. I had a boss who had zero plans for family and kids of his own. He assumed that because I like to go out and drink and have fun in my 20s, I must have been totally full of it. When I constantly said that my goals were a family, work-life balance, and some domestication in my life, he was shocked <laughs> when I quit and moved to pursue the exact goals I had told him about for years. Okay, I totally understand that and agree with it. And I will reflect that from the position of a manager, you can get yourself into the same rationalization that you can as an employee. And I'm not defending that manager. It sounds like this manager was not doing anything necessarily wrong, but was sh shocked because they had internalized a story that didn't line up with what you were actually living. Right. But that's what everybody does. Right. Like, we all have stories about each other, like it or not. And so I don't I certainly don't want to come to the defense of that manager because it sucks. And yeah, you don't want to stick around when you're not feeling listened to. Also, your manager might literally have been surprised mm -hmm. like, because they had a very clear story of what was going on. And, it, it, you know, this this is one of those that feels like a no fault. Right? right. It's not your fault. It's not their fault. Like it's it just is. It is. And it sucks because this was a conflict of stories. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Am I too being no. too kind to the manager? No, no. I, okay. I, and I mean, these are just two different people that have. Yeah. You know, different priorities. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. You have to leave if the if it doesn't set within your value system and what you want. For sure. For sure. I can read this next one. <laughs> it's one little okay. sentence. OK. OK. I knew I had to leave my job when my thoughts and ideas were not being accepted or valued. And unfortunately, I do still see this uh, not the the same person I was talking about who has to go, she's a vice president, still has to go do things, you know, outside of work. Yeah. There are times where like she has told me that she'll say something and because it's more of a boy's world or she works with more, more men than women, that sometimes it sort of gets like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, okay, what do you think, Pete? Yeah. And then yeah. she's like, hello, like, did you not hear me? So there is mm -hmm. still some of that going on. And um, unfortunately, leaving the job could be a possibility. But like, I know for her, that is not the that's not the possibility that she wants or what she wants. That's not the choice that she wants. She wants to be 
more outspoken and actually call them on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, and she has a strong enough personality and comes across as a leader that she does that. And she's like, yeah, I'm your boss. Listen to me. Yeah. And that yeah. sometimes she has to pull that because they're not taking her very seriously. So yeah. I think it just depends. I think that if, if, if you can uh, speak louder and be seen and, and, uh, and that, is getting closer, but if you're always being, um, you know, just shushed off, then yeah, definitely go somewhere else that that values yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, right, right. Uh, we got a big one here. I once witnessed a manager break many rules and the federal law over a short period of time. I reported the issue to HR. After about a month and a half, the manager was fired, but I couldn't ever bring myself to actually leave the job. Instead, I continued to work every day, always terrified that my manager would find out that I told on them. My constant need to be a people pleaser and what I know now know is fear related to RSD. I felt like it was my duty to stick it out in a toxic work environment because it would be inconvenient to the other staff if I left. Ultimately, the stress and anxiety won out. Ironically, on the same day that the manager was fired, my psychiatrist strongly recommended that I needed to go out on an extended leave of absence for what had turned into a nervous breakdown. I felt a lot of guilt for leaving the staff during such a crazy time, especially since they had uh, also just lost their manager. But through a lot of therapy, I learned that no job is worth your mental and or physical health. And whether we like to admit it or not, no one is irreplaceable. Business will continue without you. You should never feel guilty for taking time for yourself and your health. There is only one of you, and there are always more employees. Okay, so uh, this is um, yeah. this is the hard truth. Yeah. And this is this is true. Everybody is replaceable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there is no reason to stay in a job for the loyalty of you feeling bad because it would leave them in a bad position or to leave, don't not leave a job because other people have left the job recently. And that's even giving them even more shorter staff. Like if it's not the right job, leave. I mean, if you're feeling, don't do it out of the sake of the company. Yeah. They will figure it out. And uh, it, it's a hard thing to to understand. And people like I would say that sometimes, um, not when I was in HR, but like when I talk to friends and family, and we're talking about jobs and interviewing, and even like recently with my son and daughter, it's like, you know, she just left her her job. And she's like, they hired a shift lead like so quickly. And I'm like, well, of course they did. Like, they're going to be fine, (laughs) you know? And, and so it is, it's true. It sucks. And it's not, you don't want to feel that way, but it is true. But it also means that you can replace the job. You may be replaceable at the job, but you also can replace the job with another Exactly. So it goes both ways. Like it's not, it's not you personally. It's, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that you don't exist for that function. And it is a, 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 it it is an absolutely narcissistic position to take that you are irreplaceable to to take on the responsibility of feeling like um, nobody else could come in and do your job the way you do it and uh, on on some 
<laughs> on some level, that's probably true. They wouldn't do it the way you do it. Right. But they'll absolutely do your job. And not only that, they'll probably break your job up and have multiple people doing different pieces of your job. It just won't look the same as it did when you were there. It mm-hmm. just won't look the same mm-hmm. as it did when you were there. And there are other jobs for you, too. And I, I, the best thing uh, that you can possibly do. I mean, what was what was my mantra when I was breaking down myself? It was, you, you know, their stress is not, not my stress. stress. Right. Their stress is not my stress. And that's true. Like we just, you don't want to take that on. And and I mean, the nice thing or what I'm seeing about this is that this person has a great sense of loyalty, which is a mm-hmm. beautiful characteristic to have, but not to the expense of your own mental and physical health. And yes. that's where you have to like, okay. Cause I know, you know, when I was in HR, I really liked my director. I really had a good rapport with him. And I interviewed for another job, um, just for the heck of it. I wasn't really looking for it, but they had called me and recruited me and I just went to do mm-hmm. the interview and it was more money, but I didn't feel, I was so loyal to him and to the job that I was doing that it wasn't worth me going to this other job just for more money because I really liked where I was at. Yeah. And I think that's a good sense. That's a good, healthy loyalty to have to a company, but outside of well, sort of. But the other the other side of that is like having a manager that you like so much that when they leave, you feel like you are ill-equipped to stay at the job yourself. And see, that wasn't the, because actually the person that he replaced, I also really liked. <laughs> yeah, which is great. Yeah. But, but you can see what I mean. Like there is yeah. a scenario in which you get so, so tied up in the manager or or mentor-mentee relationship that you have with a manager, that it becomes impossible for you to see more broadly that you exist as a a piece of of a complex organism. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a mutually exclusive relationship with any future manager. No, 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 no. You have to be open to that. And you can get one of those areas where you can become pretty myopic. Yeah. uh, And and you got to watch out for for that, those triggers. Yeah, yeah. So. For sure. Okay, uh, we have one. Let's see, one more. Um, well, this was a really interesting. Are, are you? Yeah. Um, yeah. This this note from Melissa that she. Yes. I think this is a, this is interesting. Go, Pete. What is it While say? collecting all these deal breakers, I found it interesting that there was only one deal breaker mentioned by one person that took their ADHD and how their brain works into consideration. Maybe it's time for more of us to consider our ADHD when searching for a job that will last. That is a great. <laughs> observation. Uh, I, I should say, I think maybe I answered the question differently because all of mine were about my brain. Um, but but this one is, I think, the only, I would just add this to this one. It is the only one that deals specifically with with the, with the layout. Right. And I think it's really, in this day and age, that's really important. If there is an open floor plan where I am the first person a client encounters, so I am interrupted constantly while having to keep strict time. It is a definite no-go. This open floor plan stuff is hard, right? This is is the thing. It's still the thing. It's like, oh, we don't have desks. We don't have, even we don't have cubicles. What we have is um, just like hot desks where you go in and you sit at a table and there are other people sitting next to you. And there you plug in your laptop to a monitor or, or no, that's a thing, just, right? Oh, like yeah, where I know, people I know. like yeah. I never knew that. And then I was working with someone and she was saying, Yeah, I lost my desk today. And I'm like, What do you mean? She goes, Well, now we just go in and find any desk that's available. 
And that's how, yeah. how we work. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I don't no like that. No sense of permanence. Yeah. No sense of, of root. And you end up with like the, the pictures, if you're searching the pictures of like uh, on Indeed or LinkedIn of managers with like little red wagons because all their crap is, is in, in these wagons wagon. because they have no place to go. That's they have so no place weird. To go. I don't know now, how that the other is a side, good thing. Well, I don't know how it's a good thing either from a work perspective, because that's just not how my brain works. But I can see how we got there because it's just one paper cut after another. Real estate costs, leasing agreements are up, pandemic uh, and and rebuilds trying to be more creative. Facebook kind of started this with their entire um, their massive new headquarters that was all hot desk Mm -hmm. uh, or or wide tables with lots of monitors. But everybody ends up sitting at this table with big headphones on so they don't get disrupted. They can't take calls. They have to have booths for calls. Like it's one thing after another that becomes anti-employee in my view. Right. It, well, it is, and you uh, probably I can just imagine you end up sitting in the same spot all the time anyway. Like yeah. <laughs> you're not really moving around. But yeah. Yeah. That and I I this was one of the things I said at the very beginning of the show too. It's important for me to know where I'm gonna be, you know, spending mm-hmm. my time. I need the environment to be right for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. So uh, that is a rough one. And yeah. I, I think open floor plan, but the other the other side of that is, you know, it people who go in with an expectation of some sort of remote work. And and that's another line that more and more managers and companies are starting to draw. Right. That you this is not a remote job or I mean, I, I think Elon Musk is kind of on on one side of it by not only rescinding uh, work at home after, you know, early but but being such an antagonist for work from home that everybody is like really name calling people who want to work at home. Yeah. Um, versus the other side, which is companies that are entirely distributed. Right. Uh, and both of us work. Mm-hmm. Our organizations are entirely distributed. Everybody we work with is remote. Right. So, um, you know, it, it can work both ways. But I, I think it's important to know yourself well enough mm-hmm. to see that coming. This is great. Yes, it was. was Thank you, everybody, for filling out the survey. And I know we have more uh, things that we're going to cover in the next few weeks. So, yeah, thank you, everyone. This was great. Yes, yes. This is a very exciting uh, series. We've got some good stuff coming up, some good guests coming up. Uh, Thank you for hanging with us. And thanks for downloading and listening to the show. As always, uh, we appreciate your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute to the conversation, head over to the Show Talk channel in the Discord server, and you can catch us there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level or better. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Thank you.